Love You podcast with Danny Colafelt. Today, Danny and I speak, and you guys get to learn all about him. He's an ex-pro boxer turned hardcore, highly successful entrepreneur. He is a speaker and a visionary. He's a sales pro and so much more. His story is so inspirational, and I'm so proud to call him my friend. I can't wait for you guys to take a listen. Enjoy. So happy to have you. So excited for you to be here, Danny. Thanking you so much for coming and joining me today. How are you doing? I'm good. And thank you for having me. So Danny, for those of us that don't really know about your who you are and what you've done to this point in your life, can you give us a little bit of an overview as to what you did in your career and what you're up to today at a high level? Yeah, sure. So I started off as a pro athlete. You know, I I grew up real rough. You know, I broke in home 14. I've I've been on my own since I was 14. And, uh, you know, when you're young, you tend to be want to be around people that you could relate to, and that you have things in common with versus people that are in better circumstances, because you either a feel like you don't fit in, b you feel like they'll criticize you. Okay, or or see both, right? So you end up going into the direction of people that you can relate most to. Well, in my case, and a lot of people's cases, when you know they're around people that are up to no good and in bad circumstances, that's not a good thing, you know, because it just amplifies whatever it is that you're doing. Which, like I said, we were up to no good, you know, drugs, a lot of problems, a lot of issues. And that just magnified and amplified the situation because it led to doing more drugs, experimenting more, you know, and it, it, it was a very, very bad path that I'm, that I was on, you know, when I was 15, I think I've said this in an actual interview, but I died when I was 15, uh, you died? Yeah, I, I overdosed. Yeah. I overdosed on alcohol. I was 15 years old and, and, and I drank myself to death and they had to bring me back, you know, with the, with the paddles and and all of that. And I ended up in a coma for two days. And, um, you know, my friends, when, when I ended up, when I passed out, like they didn't know what was going on. So they, they, you know, they carried me to another friend's house and nobody wanted to get in trouble. So they basically called the police and then left. So, um, you know, we were young. I, I I really don't, I, you know, it's not something, like I said, we were all like bad news. So my grandfather is the one who came. It was my grandparents. I'm trying to think it was my grandparents. Just imagine I'll be 37 this month. So this is like when I was 15. So I'm trying to, and and I don't remember the whole story because I wasn't awake for this situation. So I'm trying to, trying to remember and rehash this. (laughs) It's like broken memories. um, I, yeah, I believe he was in the back of the ambulance with me on the way to the hospital they ripped my shirt open they had to give me you know they, they they started doing cpr brought me back to life i was in a coma for two days my family came to the hospital and then i woke up two days later with all this questions that i thought were pretty stupid because i was young you know and the nurse was like do you know where you are and i'm like yeah in a hospital so they, you know they, they asked all that stuff and you'd think that that would stop me from doing what i was doing and no it didn't you know, uh, about four days later, five days later, I was right back out there. Now I do remember like the smell of alcohol and things like that. It got me pretty sick. Like when I would just smell it because of the, just like that, that, that such intense poisoning that I had, but it didn't stop me from experimenting more and going into, you know, doing more drugs and stuff like that. So I, I lived a very, very bad life as a, as a kid, you know, both like, you know, broken home at, at my parents separated when I was five. You know, my father used to travel a lot for business and, uh, you know, I used to get really excited to see him and my mother, she wasn't really that much in the picture, even though I lived with her. Uh, but, you know, she was working, struggling to pay bills. And, um, you know, even even though my father was a good father when it came to, you know, pay, doing his his responsibility and, and child support and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, it's still never enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially with all the trouble they had to continuously pay to get me out of. So, you know, that, that didn't help the situation either. And I mean, I was just in a crossroad at that point where it was just either jail for the rest of my life or dead and dead, dead, not dead where I got brought back to life in in, in the other case. Right. So uh, that led to me getting sent away for 
I think I was gone for about a year and a half. I got sent away to a program. And in there, I met a kid that boxed. And that's what got me to take up the sport. And my father used to box in the army. So, you know, he, he, he was always trying to get me to join to get to the gym and, and to at least put my attention and focus on something instead of being on the streets all the time. Cause I, I remember the schedule that, that we used to have, like I used to wake up at like four or five in the afternoon and then we used to stay out all night. And then we used to come back at like 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning, and then just sleep the rest of the day. That was the daily routine. Right. So, um, long story short, you know, I, I, I ended up, um, when I got out of that program, I went to my father. And I was like, okay, well, let, let's go to the gym that you keep trying to get me into. Let's go over there and let's see what it's all about. And first gym I went to was, um, it still exists. It's, it's on South Beach, Miami Beach. And it's the gym that was opened up with Angelo Dundee, which was Muhammad Ali's trainer. So, you know, it was a seventh street. He used to train on fifth street. And I went over there. And from that moment on, I fell in love with the sport. Moment I stepped in the gym. And at that point, I just all of my time, all of my attention, no more smoking, no more drinking, no more drugs. No, it was just immediate. And it was just all my attention went in there. I became obsessed with it. It was an everyday thing. I was going to the gym six days a week. I would give myself Sundays to rest. And then I got obsessed with the fact of wanting to be around the best. Because mm -hmm. I knew that being around the best would stop me from getting beat up all the time that I was in the gym. <laughs> because mm -hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know exactly what it is that I was doing. So, you know, that led me to want to be around greatness. Um, I also got involved in club promotion at the time. So we, we were around, you know, we were booking a lot of the big name artists and celebrities and A-list celebrities that, that, that everybody would either read about or watch on TV and, and, you know, see on the news and stuff like that, you know, or see, you know, see all updates with and, and all of that. And when we would when we would book them, my thing was I wanted to get close with those artists and those celebrities because I knew that boxing was a journey that I wanted to be on and I wanted to get in close with them so I could see what what it is that I could do for them, what it is they can do for me and what, what we could, you know, what type of relationship we could build long term to see as far as like sponsorships and stuff like that. So that led to me get to know a lot of getting to know a lot of different types of celebrities and and and, and A-list guys and. And, and, and ladies and you know it was it was a great experience opened up a lot of doors for me opened up a lot of connections uh as I started working my way up in the sport then I turned pro and then I was around nothing but world champions my entire career um you know it was very small small groups small camps like eight between eight to 15 people in the gym at one time and um you know but it was it was all of us were were were, were pro and these guys were fighting for world titles. Get, they already had they already had championship titles. Um, some of them were ranked number three in the world, number two in the world, and were you know fighting on ESPN, Showtime, you know pay per view, you know uh, all 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 the all the big networks. So I had a taste of success. I had a taste of being around it, and it became an obsession for me because I knew that being around it and learning from that would helped me get to where it is that I wanted to get to a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. And spe speeding that up, I got around a lot of different types of entrepreneurs. I had a big passion for music since I was a kid. You know, when I was, when I was younger, I played instruments, five instruments by ear before I learned how to write music. So I was real passionate about music. And I started a record company in 2010. And amongst, here's, here's the struggle. Here's, here's where the struggle was for me. Even though I had connections, even though I had, you know, a lot of the resources to get these guys to where it is that I knew they had the potential to be at, it was still very difficult because it was up to them. So we could have the best artists. And mind you, I had relationships with Interscope, Def Jam, Universal, Sony, all the big labels, you know, and, and, and a lot of great relationships with a lot of people that wanted to take a lot of the artists that we brought in on but it was still up to them to do the work. People don't understand a lot of these bigger companies, they have stables, which is what we call, right? So they'll have a thousand artists signed to them, but it's a numbers game. It's like I signed a thousand artists, but how many of them can I really count on my hand? They're actually going to really make it, right? People think when they sign to these big labels, oh, we made it, we made it, we made it. No, you just got started because you got their attention. Now you have to get their attention to the point where they were to get them to want to invest in you. 
because they see you're able to bring an audience. They see you're able to bring tickets in, sell tickets. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. That's the entertainment industry. How many tickets can you sell? How many, how much music can you sell? How many, how much attention can you get on you? Because the more attention, the more you could get people to buy things. Same thing in business, right? Same thing in business. I want to get as much attention as possible. So people know about my brand, know about what I offer and they're dying to buy from me. Yep. Okay. So fast forward, got to know a lot of different types of people in, in the business world. I got tired of having to rely on other people because I knew I could count on me. That's the one thing that I, I loved about the sport of boxing is that I knew that it was my fault if I won. I knew it was my fault if I lost. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, maybe the guy gets lucky, you know, lands a good shot, something like that. But for the most part, it's if I'm out of shape, it's my fault. If I'm in shape, it's my fault. If I throw a lot of punches, it's my fault. If I don't throw enough, it's my fault. In business, I didn't like the idea of having to put that fault on other people, even though I was working hard, even though my partner and I, we were dumping a, a bunch of resources and money into the, into the artists and into the business itself. It still wasn't enough because if that artist didn't perform and didn't do what was necessary in order to get out there, didn't go to the studio, didn't show up, didn't put high, high enough quality of, of music, it wasn't going to work. And I didn't like that. So that's what geared and shifted me towards more on the side of corporate business, more on the sales side of things, because I knew that at that point I had to rely on myself. And I knew that, you know, I, I'd never let myself down. Mm. Okay? Other people I knew had the ability to be able to let me down, but I knew that I would never let myself down. So got to the point where I started diving a lot more deeper into business, understanding, you know, the, the fundamentals and, and, and getting around highly successful people and using, you know, my story and the momentum that I created and, and that I got from being in the entertainment industry already, it led me to, to establish more relationships and get around more people. And I mean, from that point, I started the company that I have now, which is a consulting firm. And it transformed into this. I didn't originally, it was just, you know, a few services and I wanted to really shift it still towards the entertainment industry, but I knew that there wasn't really a lot going on there compared to what it is that I can do here. And then I had to let go of a boxing eventually because, you know, for me, it was very selfish for me to stay in that sport because I was doing it for me. I wasn't doing it for other people. Mm. I could only, I was doing it for me because what, what a lot of people don't understand in the sport is nobody just picks up one day and decides they want to be a professional fighter. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not something that you just, you, you think of or you dream of. It's something that, le it, it's something that happens inside of you that gives you that fire to go out there and do that. Because people don't understand it's a dangerous sport. It's not, it's not something like, you know, I hear people and I laugh sometimes, you know, I hear people that are like, oh yeah, I, I used to train in boxing and this, and I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. We're, we're not the same. It's not the same thing. You have people that go in that ring and don't come out. Like it's, 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 it's serious, you know, and then they're not getting paid enough as it is. So they're risking in their life to put on an entertaining show. And at the same time, they're not getting paid, uh, you know, a good enough amount of money. That's why you saw a lot of backlash, but that's why you saw a lot of backlash this past weekend, you know, with, with, with the Mayweather fight, because you had a lot of fights on the undercard that were, you know, other, you know, celebrities, but this is not something they did. And they're talking about all the money they made and you have some fighters that are really good and they don't get those opportunities because they don't sell enough tickets, which is another story. But the point that I'm making is, is that it's not what people really think that it is and understand it to be, you know, it takes this very special person and you have to have a lot of pain and you have to have a lot of issues inside of you to be able to pour out, to toughen it out, to go through the rigorous training that we used to go through and everything like that. So, you know, leading back into the business side, that's what created a lot of discipline that I have now, you know, that's what, that's what created my work ethic. You know, I mean, I work, I work seven days a week, 18 hour days and, you know, Currently I, 18 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So for me to let go of that now, now going, going back to the boxing thing, I'm just going back and forth for a second. Like that, that whole boxing, thing, it was very difficult for me to unplug that. Because it, it was it was a very 
emotional thing for me because I had a lot tied into it. Okay, a lot of pain, a lot of things that I was dealing with. It saved my life. It really saved my life. Like mm -hmm. to this day, I admit it. Had it not been for the sport of boxing, like I said, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. I'd either be dead or in jail. Yeah. Like, there, no, no question. Right. So um, I cut that because I knew that I had to continue on with everything that I'm doing now in business. What I plan on doing in business, things going, th things that I plan on ramping up in business. And I understood that I, I, I can't, I couldn't do both. And it was very selfish of me to stay in that in the sport because I was doing it for me. I wasn't doing it for others. We're in the business that I'm in now, I'm able to help a lot more people. I'm able to do things for a lot more people. I'm able to create a lot more opportunities for a lot more people. Yeah, it's such an interesting story to hear this because it's almost like the first third of your life you were battling self-mastery. And once you kind of found a place to put your energy, pour your energy into that to your point was actually cathartic for you, where you could release the pain that you had already endured through this troubled childhood, you were able to heal yourself through boxing. And then it's almost like once you kind of felt whole within yourself, you got to a place where you were ready to then shine light and give to the world. And I just think this is such an important point that you're bringing up about, you know, enduring the pain and figuring out who you are and becoming truly solid as a person and being able to stand on your own two feet and with confidence and in a productive fashion. And only then, once you were really able to, to nail that and feel completely solid, were you truly ready to step into your highest, which is where you are now, which is such a beautiful and incredible place. So I'd love to hear more about what you're doing now and how you've been able to serve others in your consulting business. Well, well, here, here's, here's what I do want to say. I wasn't ready to jump all in. You know, it's just something that I just knew that I had to do. So it was that, that's where that discipline came in. It was just something that I had to do because it was very emotional for me to cut that tie. I'm not, I mean, I, I, I'd be lying if I told you it wasn't it to was leave very boxing? difficult, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, I bet. I mean, I cried. It was, it was a very emotional thing for me because uh, it was an attachment. I mean, 18 years of my life went to that and wow. that only. You never played sports before that, Danny? No. Wow. So what? Uh, well, yeah, I was into hockey when I was a kid, but like, okay. that was, that wasn't something I took serious. I only did it because other friends were doing it. Right. So what age did you actually start your boxing career? A 17. 17. And you did that until you were. I did own. that till I was a uh, good question. I think it was till I was about 32, 30. I did it till I stopped at 2014, 15, 14, 14. So around 30 or so in your thirties. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. You know, I don't know how you did that because can I tell you something? I can't even watch boxing. It's too upsetting for me. I don't know how on earth you could do that sport, but I love how you, you talked about it's because it takes a special person that's damaged that has this grit and the pain and the, all this stuff that they can pour into it. Can you talk a little bit more about how you were able to channel that toxic pain inside of you and how you were able to channel that into something productive in boxing. Like, I guess there's a lot of people out there that carry pain and I think they struggle to do what you did, which is to take that pain and to turn it into something positive. Can you talk more about, I don't know, just tips for people that are trying to turn the tables and make lemonade and all of that kind of stuff. And that mindset, how, do, what was that process like for you and any tips you might have for them? Um, great question. Uh, I mean, it's, it's something that I, that I, I you know what, it, I mean, when it came to the rigorous training, it was like, that's when I would, I would, I would, I would like build up like that, that anger, that, 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 that pain, that sadness, like everything would come out of me during training. And it was like, you know, I mean, now, now mind you, we're not training for an hour. We're doing three hour sessions nonstop. 
Like there were times where there were times where we would we would we would do drills on on the heavy bag hitting the bag. There would be times where we did the drill. We do it for at times like 15, 20 minutes straight, no breaks. Okay. So like, you know, there's times where we would, we would have sparring sessions and we do five, eight minutes. Sometimes we turn the timer off. Like it was rigorous, rigorous training. Like, and that's where all, that's where all that frustration and everything it stemmed, it stemmed from inside, but it was released. You know what I mean? With all the workouts and everything like that. And then leading up to, for example, leading up to a fight, that's why you see a lot of fighters with, you know, they build up this anger. They build up, you know, that that's where that comes from. If you read up on a lot of stories of a lot of these fighters, like that's, that's where the connection comes from. That's why you see some of these audiences, they connect with these guys so much. They connect with, 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 you know, I'll throw myself in the mix, you know, like they connect so much because they start to learn more about their history and about their past. You know, like, for example, like you have guys like, you know, like, like, you know, like Floyd Mayweather who, who grew up in the sport, but at the same time, you know, his, his, he didn't have a childhood. He didn't have a childhood because his father was so hard on him and being in the gym. So now like you'll see him, you know, buying toys and stuff like that. You look at other scenarios like that. I could tell you the same thing that happened with Michael Jackson. Same thing happened with DMX. Okay. DMX that, you know, uh, uh, he, he, he used to, he used to go in and, and, and take, and take time off of like, if he was doing like a film, like, like one of the films that he did, like with Jet Li, they talked about that he went and he spent thousands of dollars at the store up the street to go fly helicopters and fly airplanes because he didn't have a childhood. You know, so wow. it, it's just little things like that, that, that you start to, you start to appreciate the person and that's what makes the fan. And yes. then they start following and then they start realizing that that's where the connection is. So then when you see the fighter go in the ring and they fight, it's like, you're rooting for them because you, you want them to win because you know, their story, you have that connection. Right. That's why you hear a lot about, like, you hear a lot about like, like fighters, like Manny Pacquiao, where, you know, after he would win fights, he'd go and he'd buy electricity for the city or he'd go and he'd feed communities because they were very poor like you had another fighter um crazy guy i i can't think of his of his name but he was from nicaragua and that's what he did he took his entire purse and he put the electricity on for his country wow you know as you're talking this is really you, you might think this is weird but as you're describing the emotion behind this sport that I've never had the connection into or the visibility. Cause like I said, it, it to me, it, it feels violent and scary and upsetting. Cause I think I'm a mother, you know, so I get like, it upsets me that someone's getting hit like that. But as you're describing it from your lens, I actually have a mindset shift and I have a new appreciation for the whole experience because it's almost artistic. Okay. And it's interesting because I can now actually make the connection between your love of music and how you had this entire kind of history with music and five different instruments. And now this different art form in boxing, it's a form of expression as you're describing that you have this release of emotions and, you know, you're channeling this energy and it truly is, and it, it's an art form because you're showing people through your physical, you're physically getting out this anger and the pain. And it is, it's, it's a beautiful, as odd as it sounds, it actually is a beautiful form of expression in the most, you know, violent of ways. So it's very interesting <laughs> hearing about kind of the, the inside, kind of the insider's perspective of boxing and that the connection that you have. Um, and so I love that you talked about the connection that you have with the boxer and understanding their story and rooting for them. How does that then translate for you inside of your business? And I bet you it makes you a killer marketer and branding expert and um, salesperson. Can you kind of speak about how some of those skills have translated into your business life? Yeah, sure. So like, that's exactly what I was going to transition to. So like how you relate to this, how you relate to the great minds think alike. So how you relate to this. <laughs> So how you relate it to business is like, I took all that grit and all that discipline and I just poured it into business. So it's like, when I dove in, I dove all in. My father was in, you know, in, in corporate business. He's worked with huge, huge companies. He's, he's also VP in my company. And, um, 
my I've had a family of entrepreneurs. My grand my grandparents were pharmacists. My grandfather had medical centers in New York. My other grandfather came to this country from Cuba with five dollars in his pocket. He made his first million in five years. And back then that was, you know, a lot. I mean, we're talking about in the 50s, you know. So um, and that was my father's father. Then my uncle was a VP of Exxon. He just retired. He was the VP of Exxon Mobil. Um, so, I mean, I have, you know, in my family, you know, a lot of people in business and my father was my go-to when it came to, you know, understanding, you know, as far as like some of the fundamentals, but then it was also being around a lot of highly successful entrepreneurs, a lot of highly successful people. And it just, that discipline just made me want to become obsessed with learning as much as possible and never quitting on learning. And never stopping when it came to work and when it came to, you know, all aspects. So it's like I engulfed myself. So when I tell people that I've been in business for 11 years, I've had my company now for nine, almost 10 years. Uh, actually, next month marks 10 years. So, you know, I mean, you could take that 11 years and you can use it as like a compression of about 20, 25 years just because the level of magnitude of the type of success that I've had the opportunity to be around. And I've put myself around, you know, I've been around billionaires. I've been around multimillionaires, you know, um, you know, my mentors, one of them, you know, Grant Cardone, I, we'll, we'll get into that, but, you know, I mean, I have among others, like I, I, I forced myself to be into uncomfortable situations, uncomfortable environments, because I knew that it would make me better. And learning all that information, I just applied it to business. I applied it to what it was necessary for me to be able to, 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 to have to do in order to hit the high levels of success that I'm looking to hit, that I've accomplished so far, that I'm on track towards, you know, and then I just convey that over to the businesses that, that, that we work with now, you know, so diving into my company, you know, yes, it's a consulting firm. We have 20 different services that we offer to businesses. We work with Fortune 500s. The company's doing 2 million. Our sweet spot is about small, is between small to mid-sized companies. That's, that's like, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the area for us. And we scale them. So I'm in a business of scaling. I take all the information that I've learned, all the information, all the, all the different types of partnerships that I've established and, and, and everything. And we just use that to, to, to help businesses to get to, to where their potential is which I feel is a lot more than a lot of people give themselves credit for and a lot more than a lot of people, you know, uh, actually focus on. A lot of people focus on what they want. It's not about what you want. It's what your potential can take you mm. or where it can take you to. Yeah. Okay. So there's a few things I need to pause you on right there because you've already hit on a couple of things that are actually really big. So two things, one, so two things that I see, there's a lot of things I see with you as to kind of traits that have led you to become as successful as you are and continue to be. And I know you're still growing. So one of the traits I see is very important because it's something I learned about last year and it has to do with neuro-linguistic programming. And so what I learned is your brain, once you hit about 20, 21 years old, as adults, your synapses start to harden. And so the connections in your brain, they're not as flexible. And so all that ends up meaning is it's sort of the, the why as to why it's hard for adults to behave in a manner that is different than they're used to. So we kind of end up getting stuck. And this is why you hear all the time about people feel, oh, I feel stuck. I feel stuck in my marriage. I feel stuck in my job. I'm stuck, 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 stuck. There's an actual physical reason for that that I didn't know about until last year. And here's where it's really interesting. Okay, most people out there that I have coached or heard from the last couple of years kind of in this consulting and coaching business is they are struggling to get unstuck. And for you, what is very interesting, Danny, is that you actually lean into the discomfort because it's very uncomfortable learning and growing and changing. And it's actually physically kind of goes against the grain of how we're built as adults, but because of your you know, athletic abilities. And then the fact that you've just continued to lean into this feeling of being uncomfortable all the time, you have, you haven't gotten to the place necessarily, at least from the outside looking in where you're truly just sitting there stuck because you haven't allowed that to happen. And I just think it's really important to highlight that, you know, for adults that are feeling stuck, 
we need to get uncomfortable and we need to do scary things. And you do it almost naturally. It, it's actually, but you're so good at it, Danny, that you don't even consciously do it anymore. It's like, you just, you've leaned into the discomfort to a point where you're just getting greater and greater and greater. And I just think it's really important to highlight that that is a really, really special trait that you possess that you should definitely continue doing. And then the second thing is that, you know, this idea of you, adding people to your life that are, you know, the, the bar is so high and you feel again, uncomfortable, even sometimes being probably in these meetings and in the boardrooms and whatever situations, but you still lean into the fact that there are people out there that are better and higher. And it's, you know, deep inside you that by surrounding yourself with those people that raise the bar so high that that is going to make you rise. So can you speak a little bit into that more as to how do we make these connections? And I know that you prospect like crazy and I don't want to miss that. So how do you continue to make these relationships and then translate them into your business so that you can actually come into these big corporations or small corporations and, you know, just how do you get all this business into, um, you know, as far as your consulting, like how, how do you make these connections and talk to us a little bit about your process there? Well, like I've gotten really good at what it is that I do and that's what I stick with. So when I go into a, like, let's say I'm having a conversation with a billionaire, it's got to the point where that doesn't intimidate me. I don't care about how big you are. I don't care about how much money you have. I don't care about any of that stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, and then it, it also stems, like you said, from me being around success since I was 17. I mean, I've been around nothing but, 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 but highly successful people. I was 17 years old between celebrities to, I mean, you name it. So like it got to the, it, it's just gotten to the point where it's like, somebody tells me, okay, this company's doing a billion. Okay, let's talk. Like, it's just second nature because I'm so content and I'm so confident in my abilities. And it's not that it's not that it's arrogant because I, I still have a lot to learn and I'm learning every day. I mean, that's, that's where a lot of, I said 18 hour days, a lot of those 18 hours involve me having to study material, learn and, 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 and everything, which obviously we'll get into. But the point is, is that I've gotten so good at what I do. So when I walk into these meetings, when I go into boardrooms, when I go into, I run the show. I run the show because it's like, hey, listen, you're not going to sit here and tell me something that is, is, is preventing you from getting further when I have the key. Mm -hmm. And I know I have the key. Mm -hmm. And I know that you need the key because if you, did, if you didn't need the key, you wouldn't be exactly where you are right now. We wouldn't yeah. be having this conversation right now. You'd be a lot further along. And I express that and I say that, and I'm not afraid to say it. Mm. I've walked into places and I've, I've, I've told them flat out, listen, you know, you can, you can, you could talk to me till you're blue in the face of all the confidence that you have for your company. I believe in your company, but at the end of the day, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. If you were doing a lot better than you thought you were doing. Absolutely. And that's the role of a consultant, right? The role of a consultant is we go in and we diagnose a pain point. I always say consult because I have, you know, a decade of management consulting experience myself. So when people are like, well, what is consulting exactly? Because they don't understand what they're, they just see that you're on planes and they don't know exactly, they don't understand it. And I'm like, that's by design. It's okay. It's because no project is the same, but I always say consulting is like, um, we're like doctors for businesses, right? So we come in and you say something hurts or it doesn't work. And then we have to ask a bunch of questions to figure out exactly where it hurts. And then we come up with ways to kind of solve for that. Right. So, right. um, and, and so can you talk a little bit, first of all, I love the confidence that you have. I think it's such a cool place to be. And I feel that after my experience as well, I'm in a similar, not that we have the same business or anything, but I also kind of can attest to that feeling of you finally have that enough tools in your toolkit and enough experience where you can completely just be totally confident no matter who you're around because you know the value that you have to add. And I think it's such a sacred and important place to be. And I just want to encourage folks that are listening that if you are there, you know, 
own your power, own your confidence. Don't make yourself small. Don't talk about imposter syndrome and all that nonsense. If you have a skill set, be proud of your skills and own it, right? And and it's so important to know your value, right? It's so so important. So um, I just I just here's, love here's, that. Power. Here's, here's one thing I want to touch on before we go to the next thing. Yeah. What you just said, right? A lot of people get that syndrome. A lot of people get those issues because they don't think big enough. Mm. And they're not thinking big enough because they're thinking of their standpoint now. So like I always tell people, like when it comes to goal setting, for example, right, you need to set massive goals, you need to set big goals, but then you also need to understand what is going to be required of you in order to hit those goals. What are you going to need to change? What, 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 what area, what, what, what are you going to need to improve on to get mm -hmm. to where it is that you, that, that you want to be at? If you want to be successful, you know, what's your definition of success? And then when you find out that definition, what is going to be required of you to change and what are you going to have to transform into in order to hit that? And that's the thing that th that's the disconnect that happens to a lot of people. So like you have a lot of people like in the beginning of the year, all these new year, re new year's resolutions. Oh yeah. 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 I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to drop some weight. I'm going to look great. You know, for the women, I'm going to look great in the bikinis and all this stuff. Right. <laughs> what happens in February? No more gym. Diet's done. Because the goal wasn't big enough. You know, we always talk about this, right? You know, you, the, 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 one of the keys to setting goals and even success is setting goals so big that it actually significantly changes your life. Mm. It will actually change your life. So the goal is not, hey, let's drop some weight so I can look good at the end of the summer. Hey, let's, let's improve my health, right? So... Like you're, you're setting it so big, Hey, let's improve my health. So, 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 you know, three years from now, I don't have to take Tylenol when I have a headache, which a lot of people don't understand that a lot of has, a lot of has to do with just drinking more water. Mm. You know, people don't understand like little things like that is our, our body telling us things that we're depriving it of. So like, you know, you don't, I, I like I've known over the years, cause I don't like taking medication. Like I've known over the years, if I have a headache, I either didn't sleep enough. I'm hungry or I didn't drink enough water. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, they're just like, oh, pop a pill, let me solve this, you know? Oh, pop another pill, let me solve this. And if they're up late at night, then you get all the commercials, you know? If you're if you're not sleep right now and you're feeling sleepy, buy this medication, it'll help you sleep more, <laughs> you know? I mean, go to bed. <laughs> it, right, it helps, you go to, it helps you go to bed, right? So like, you know, you get, and then, oh, I need that, I need that. No, you don't need that. You, you, you need to pay more attention to what it is that you, so like going back to what I was saying, as far as those goals, like that should be the goal. That's going to change your life. Dropping 15 pounds isn't going to change your life. Okay. So you know, when you go making, making a million dollars, isn't going to change your life. Making a billion dollars would change your life because a million dollars isn't a lot of money. You know, somebody make, you know, somebody makes a goal of making a million dollars when they make that million, they're going to realize it's not enough. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to realize that, you know, a long time ago, like I used to think a million dollars was a lot of, shoot, I, I used to think a hundred thousand dollars was a lot of money until you're around it until you make it. And then you're like, this is not enough. So it's that whole mindset thing. So how do you go about, this was going to be a question that I was going to ask you. So I'm glad that you brought this up, Danny. So how do you approach goal setting for yourself? And what is the, I guess, what is the format that you take and the timing? How do you set yourself up for success as far as goal setting? So like, I want to do things massively. First off, I need to figure out what it is that I want. Like, what is it that I want and what is it that I don't like? Mm -hmm. Okay. Like for me, time is so important, right? And it's still something that I need to work on. But time is so important to me. And I hate things that waste my time. I hate going to the airport and having to sit there and have to wait for somebody to tell me that it's okay to get on the plane. I hate to have to sit at the airport and have to wait in a long line like I'm back in school again to see to have the security check my bags to make sure that I'm not going to do something stupid. Okay. I hate having to sit there and have to wait 
because somebody decided to hold up the flight. So now everybody else's flight gets held up. So now there's a delay. I hate having to wait because the weather's bad outside. I can't go where I want to go to. So how do I solve that problem? Set a big enough goal so it won't affect me anymore. Mm -hmm. Either See, charter a jet or buy one. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. Is doing that going to make me more money? Is doing that going to actually reduce certain things where it's going to make me more time? So to answer your question, when it comes to setting goals, I look at what's important to me, what I, what, what I want and what it is that I don't want. Because if I don't want that, I know what it is that I need to do to, make, to, to, to not have to feel that anymore. You have some people, they, they go to the grocery store and they have to put up bags because they can't afford to cover all the groceries that they bought. How does that make you feel? Not good. Right? So, so, so you, have to, you have to hold that in and, and, and remember that when you have bad days, you have to hold that in. You have to remember that when, you know, you're saying, Hey, you know what, maybe I'm going to sleep in today a little bit. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't need to work on, on the weekends. Like I hear some entrepreneurs, they're like, Oh, you know, I don't work weekends. All right. Well, if that's the case, go get a nine to five. Cause if, if you're not making, if you're not making the money that you could afford to take weekends off, what are you doing taking weekends off? This is the differentiator. Why are you so successful? Because you put in more time and so your results come faster and you make it look easy from the outside. It takes real work. Yeah, I, I heard the other day, somebody, I think it was on, on Clubhouse or somewhere. They, they were saying, you know, does money really make you happy? And if, it, and if it does, then why do people, when they make money, they end up committing suicide or still on drugs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to the whole goal setting thing, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're not focused on, see, it's not only about money. It's, it's about all areas of your life. There's always going to be times that you could set goals for different things. So like, you know, you'll have a financial goal, but then what is that financial goal going to tie into? What's it going to do for your family? What's it going to do for your health? What's it going to do for your, for your personal life? You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, like, People get into relationships. I always talk about this. I'm not a relationship expert, but you know what? What uh, you know? People get into relationships for the wrong reasons. I feel, you know, they. When you get in a relationship, what are your goals? What What are your goals for the relationship? People are like, oh yeah, we have goals. We're gonna go on vacation. That's not a big enough goal. <laughs> That's why you get divorced. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're gonna go on we're gonna go on vacation one time a year. Fantastic. What are you going to do when, when, when an argument happens? Because, you know, something stupid, you know, you're, you're not, you're not thinking about everything else. You're just thinking about just because you set a goal of traveling, that's going to fix problems. It, it doesn't, it, 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 it takes the same amount of effort to get into relationship as it does to stay in a relationship, mm -hmm. you know, and it's the same thing with the business. You know, people are like, Oh, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to be successful. Okay. What's, what's, what's successful. Oh, my, my business is, you know, in one year, I did a hundred thousand in sales. Congratulations! You didn't make a hundred thousand. You did a hundred thousand in sales. That wasn't your profit. You could have worked at a company and made a hundred thousand dollars profit with less responsibility, less time working, okay, and less of a headache. Mm -hmm. So you got into the business to make a hundred thousand a year. No, no, no. I'm going to turn this to a million dollar company. Not with that mindset. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, I mean, my, 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 my whole thing that I, that I explained, like, you know, people need to set bigger goals. The whole reason of starting a company is not, is not to make a million dollars. The whole reason of starting a company is to do something that you cannot do on your own and you cannot do working for another organization and also to put back into the marketplace to help other people. Mm -hmm. Because if I start a company I want to make the company so big so I can give people opportunities. I, I was in a room on Clubhouse um, one day and I heard a kid and he was like, you know, I, I'm working at this company and I feel stuck. And I said, well, it's time for you to find another job because if you're providing a lot of value and this com company can't pay you, then it's time for you to look elsewhere.
and show your value to that company that could pay you money, right? You can make 80,000 a year. He was like, yeah, I can make 80,000 a year. I said, so go find a job that could pay you 80,000 a year. Then I went in the room, when I was in the room, I was like, I was like, all right, now everybody unmute yourself and volunteer if you can hire him and pay him $80,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And nobody was able to unmute themselves and say that. Nobody was able to offer him a job. And uh -huh. I said, now I want to ask you guys something else. How many of you would like to have a company right now and be able to hire this guy right now with his skill set that he has and pay him $80,000 a year? And everybody agreed. Mm -hmm. And that's the point of starting a business. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love it. So how do you go from being the solopreneur to kind of scaling your business, like your own business? And then I know you scale other companies as well. How, do, how does one do that? If they're trying to build a business, a company that they can scale and provide opportunities, what does that look like for them? You, you, have, you, have, to, you have to learn how to sell. You have to learn how to run the business. You have to, you have to learn how to run the business and not let it run you. Mm. You know, a lot of people there, they're these, these solopreneurs. I don't like that word solo. You know, you don't, you don't, you can't do things by yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, anything great, you can do things by yourself, but you're not going to be very successful. It takes partnerships. Uh -huh. It takes, you know, um, uh, uh, relationship building. You know, it's a, it's a team effort to do things big of that magnitude and in order to learn more and in order to be able to scale. Yeah, but I need to get around those type of people that are going to be able to pull me, you know, that are going to be able to, you know, like it all again, it all stems from mindset. You know, people are solopreneurs and they think that way because of the people they have around them. I always talk about this, you know, two things for success. You need to have the right information and you need to have the right people around you and surround yourself around the right people. That's it. For me, those are the two things. You got to have the right information. And it's not about getting to your goal eventually. It's about getting to your goal as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be 70 years old. Okay. I don't want to be 80 or 90 years old in a wheelchair having to be pushed around to all the places I wanted to visit. That's, that's not fun. That's not, that's not the point of this. You know, I'm going to get there eventually. You know, then I'm 90 years old having to have a, a, a freaking tank attached to my wheelchair, having to breathe oxygen in, okay? And, and I'm getting rolled around. But hey, there's, there's Mexico, the, the, the pyramids in Mexico. And, and oh, I can't go over there because they don't allow wheelchair access. That's, that's not fun. But that, that's, that's everybody's mindset a lot of times. You know, not everybody, but most of the people. Like their idea of success is making, is doing all of this, but how fast? So my key is, where can I get access to that information? And the information that I get, is, is that information going to get me there faster or eventually? And then the people that I have around me, are they pushing me or are they pulling me? Are they knowing that I have to work extra hard? And are they pushing me to do that? Or are they telling me to relax a little bit? Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Well, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about the key partnerships you've created. I know you have... Uh, an association with Grant Cardone. And he's the one that I heard him say, you know, it's better to get into a company, not just by building from the ground up necessarily, but by partnering kind of similar to what you were saying about partnerships. Can you talk a little bit about that partnership or um, partnerships in general and how that accelerates your growth? Yeah, sure. So like I got with Grant um, a little over two years ago and uh, you know, and, and then, a partner, a partner of mine, and 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 him and I are are, are now, you know, we're, we're we're partnered with him, and I mean, we have a lot of great things going on there, and um, you know, I got with Grant because I was looking for so long for, I had a lot of programs in place, so like with 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 my company, like I mentioned, we have twenty different services, right? One of them is is business programs, so like sales training programs for 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 for. for for teams and, and, and a lot of it having to do on the consulting side and so forth. And then we had, I had a lot of programs that I was, I was building out. I was looking something to amplify it. I was looking for something to amplify that because what grants built is taking them 35 years to do that, you know? So it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of material. It's a lot of content. Right. But then I needed to find the right partner for me because more importantly than anything else for me is core values. 
I, I'm big on honesty, transparency, straightforwardness, telling things like it is. That's important to me. I don't care how big you are, how big your name is, how much money you do. I told you before, none of that stuff impresses me. I've been on the phone with $40 million companies that wanted to partner with me. And I hung up on their face after four minutes and hearing what they had to say. And it wasn't arrogant. It was just because I don't, I don't, I don't do business like that. You know? And then when people start name dropping, again, none of that stuff impresses me. You know, they're telling me, oh, we work with this company. Okay, listen, stop. You didn't work with the company, you work with the department. It's not like you got in front of the board of directors and you were sitting down with the CEO and president and you guys were having a great conversation and you decided to do, and they decided to bring you on to do work. You did work for a small department and now you're throwing it out and people, you know, oh, we did business with this company and that company and this company. So cut that out. Let's talk about what you could do for me and for my customers. <laughs> oh, well, you don't have to be like that. Yes, I do. We're down to three minutes. We have three minutes left. Oh, well, you know, if you're going to be like that, we don't need to do business. Okay, well, I guess we don't then. Goodbye. Click. And I hook up. And it's like, I don't want to waste my time on people like, I don't want to waste my time with people like that because I'm serious when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. I want to help people. I yes. can't help people by name dropping. Mm -hmm. I can't help people by misleading them. Mm -hmm. I can't help people by talking about successes that I've had in the past when I'm not doing that now. Okay, so when it comes to partnerships, those are very important for me. So going back to the grant situation, I looked around at other companies that did sales training and similar things and stuff like that. And a lot of what we were doing is we were going to the companies and delivering a lot of the material at the companies, but I wanted to have something where it would be more on a remote side of, side of the thing so I could hit more because we do things on a global scale. It's not like we only work with companies nationally, right? Mm -hmm. So um what I liked about Grant was he had those same core values, honesty, transparency, the methodology was the same. So it was basically like I had a puzzle and he was that missing piece. And, it's, and in, 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 in exchange for that missing piece, I was also able to learn a lot more. So it was like, you know, I was learning, able to deliver a lot more material to customers. And at the same time, you know, it was just, it, it, it's just been, it, it's just been great. I mean, and all the programs that are continuously getting built out, all the great things that are happening. I mean, it's, so when it comes to encouraging people, when it comes to partnerships and things like that, it's the same thing. It's like, don't focus so much on, you know, on the name recognition, focus on if it can, if it can actually truly amplify what it is that you're doing. So to the point that Grant made, you know, which he always talks about, you don't necessarily need to have your own business. It's just a matter of working with somebody who maybe have something that you're good at and that you can add on to amplify what it is that they already have going on. That's great because it, it eliminates the mindset of I'm going to do this by myself. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that want to be entrepreneurs, but they don't have what it takes to be one. For example, the ones who want to take weekends off, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, a lot of a lot of people don't understand and don't comprehend the amount of grit and 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 energy and and devotion and dedication it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. Everybody could be an entrepreneur. I'm talking about a successful one, and not one that makes a million dollars a year in your company. Okay, that's that's not successful. So like, you have some people with that mindset. And my thing is, is you want to throw some stats out there. Three out of four millionaires work for somebody else. Now, why do they do that? Because they know where to put their money. All right. And at the same time, they also know what their limitations are. So they'll stick with a company. They'll go where they're valued at. They'll get, they'll create value to, to add on to whatever organization they're going to go with. And then they make that money and they know what to do with the money. So I tell some people, you don't even have to own the business. You could, I'm sorry, you don't even have to run the business. You could own the business and pay somebody else to run it for you while you're working at another company. So now you're making a steady flow of income. And now you're getting income from the company that you own, but you're paying somebody else to run it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said, everybody wants to wear that hat. I'm CEO, I'm president. It's not about that. I love that. Okay, last question for you. Am I you dropping enough for you? Oh, you're dropping tons. I love it. <laughs> it. You're doing awesome. Um, you said something to me that really surprised me and I, I want you to share it with us. So tell us about your prospecting. What, how many, how many prospecting calls you make a day? What does that look like? And 
why do you do it? How do you do it? Like, what is that all about? How do you do your prospecting? Tell us. Phone calls, phone calls, emails, whatever, whatever. I mean, I walk up to people like I, I, you know, when, when, you know, before, before COVID and everything, like, you know, I was, I would just go out places and if I'm eating or if I'm, you know, having a coffee or something like that, I mean, and I overhear somebody talking about business, I'll flip my chair around, introduce myself, drop my business card on the table and just start having a conversation. Like, it's just, I'm just so used to just going out and just talking to people, you know, daily. I mean, making, making, making a hundred calls or more. I try to make more. It's just that I have a lot on my plate right now, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to devote a lot more time and I'm working on it uh, to making a lot more calls. Cause a hundred is nothing. Like I should be making a lot more than that. Where, but, where do you find these companies or these prospects when yeah, you're, I mean, you can just go on Google and look them up. And what is something that you would Google? What type of company are you looking for when you're prospecting? How does, what does that look like? For me like? personally? Yeah. Uh, any, any company, because every company needs sales. Every company needs exposure. Every company needs better people to work for them. Every, every company fits our, fits our radar, as long as they're doing the numbers that, that, that we know that they need to be doing in order to, to qualify for us. Because you teach them how to improve their sales. You do sales training is one. Yeah. Of, and I know you have a lot of different services. You right. Provide. That's one, one of, of them products. is sales training, but it's, it goes even beyond the sales training as far as the programs. Right. So a lot of people think like, you know, when we talk about sales training, it's just sales training. I mean, we have negotiation, business, motivation, time management. Like there's a lot of courses that go into there. I mean, we're looking we're looking at over thirty five hundred courses. That you provide your clients. Yeah, that we provide. So it's a membership. They'll sign up yeah. to, to be a part of your membership and then they get access to a gazillion training materials. Right. So we do it on, we do it two ways. We have live training and we have that online platform. Online platform is Cardone You, which you're familiar with. You log in, you, you get a username, password, you log into the platform, you watch a video, you take a test. Then we take it a step further where we think of it like this is a membership to LA Fitness, you know? You go to LA Fitness, you get that membership, but you get that private coach. And that private coach is going to put you on a diet regimen, talk about your goals and help you get there a lot quicker. So instead of you having a, you know, having to do it on your own and figure it out or possibly injure yourself. And in this case, possibly, you know, waste your money and talk about it's not working. Okay. Then, you know, we have that additional um, uh, uh, push that we give. So there's, so we do live training and then the online portion. Okay. And how often do you get access to a live coach? Uh, that would, that would, that would be based on whatever package they, 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 they get. Cause we have different packages and then we have different programs. Mm, okay. And we have different, different uh, price points, depending on where the business is at, depending on how many salespeople they have, depending on where the company is at, you know, we just, we just launched, uh, I just put this together and, as far as the packaging, but we just launched something a couple of weeks back for, for private coaching, for, for even people that are just looking to get into business, period, salespeople, right? And that, you know, that's, that's like the minimal package that they would get into. And then another thing that I was excited to, to, to talk about uh, this week, which was on Sunday, I had a uh, call with my partner. We're now financing a lot of these deals on the lower end. Because, uh, you know, I'm in private equity on, on, on the larger scale, but on the lower end, you know, we're financing a lot of these scenarios. So if somebody doesn't have seven or 10,000 or 15 or 20,000 to invest in something like this, we'd help them with that. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So, yeah, I'm, 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 we're, we're working on a lot of different things to really help people. Wow. It's just the education portion of it. Like I said, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many success stories and that's why I say, and it's not that it's not a sales pitch it's just the way that it is, is like, there's, there's no other platform or programs out there like ours with the, with, with this fast of a result that we offer or that we provide or that we give, you know, the opportunity for a lot of people to have, whether it's companies or entrepreneurs. So if folks want to learn more about your services or see some of your trainings, how can they find you? Where can they find you? Can you share that with us? Yeah, they could go to they could go to any of my five websites. They can go to uh, they could just go on Google and just Google my name, which I actually prefer because it took me a very long time to be able to say that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, but I, I, I like to see sometimes these interviews are great. 
but at the same time, people need more info. You know, I, I encourage a lot of people. That's why I always tell people, watch where you get your information from. My first thing is like, if I talk to somebody and they're, and they're hesitant, I don't want them to do something that they're hesitant with. I want them to be confident in it. The only way they're going to get confident is when, when you build up that certainty. The only way you're going to build up that certainty, I want them to know more about me. If they look me up and they see who I am and they see what I've done or they see who I'm partnered with or they see, you know, what my company does, then we can talk further about, you know, what it is that we can do for them. But, you know, I don't I don't I don't want to have that hesitant, you know, um, uh, type of type of deal, type of situation, especially when they're able to look me up and, 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 and get access to it. You see what I mean? Okay, so for anyone that wants to learn more about Danny Colafell, just Google him. Okay, because it's taken him a lifetime to be Googleable, if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> and he's proud of it. So before you check out any of his business offerings, get comfortable with him. He's an amazing guy. I have actually watched some of your past videos on trainings and things like that, and definitely a solid wonderful, wonderful guy, both personally and professionally. And um, I appreciate you so much. I absolutely adore you, Danny. And I love talking with you. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram at Kimberly Lovey and let me know your thoughts about today's show. You can screenshot this episode and let us know what your biggest takeaway was and tag me at Kimberly Lovey and we can share it on our stories. I will see you again. Same time, same place next week.